unbelievable to the right hand. Puts her down. He's going to dump him hard to the ice. Brady Leopold just loves to fight. Ladies and gentlemen. Welcome. My dream of being a professional hockey player became a reality, but it was all taken away from me in a very short period of time. For many years, hockey was my outlet. Hockey was my drug. When I had a stick in my hand, nothing else mattered. I was able to break into the Western Hockey League in 2004, and I even won the Swift Current Broncos Rookie of the Year. During the summer of my rookie year, I experimented with drugs for the first time. After just seven games in my sophomore season, I walked away from the Swift Current Broncos due to personal reasons. Nobody knew I had been sexually abused at the age of five. I did everything to hide it from everybody, but I just couldn't take it. Drugs and alcohol now took over my life. I did return to the Swift Current Broncos as a 19-year-old, but things were never the same. I was eventually traded to the Kelowna Rockets in my final year of junior where I got to play on a line with the Dallas Stars captain, Jamie Benn, and one of my best friends, the extremely talented Colin Long. It was by far my best season ever, and I even signed with the Tampa Bay Lightning's organization. A dream come true, right? That's when everything went wrong. First it was the cocaine, then came the Oxycontin, and that led me into a 12-year journey into the deepest pits of hell. Within two years, I had now made the switch to heroin, fentanyl, and everything in between, and I was now an intravenous drug user. Multiple suicide attempts and over five trips to the psych ward, I was a shadow of who I once was. By 2014, I was homeless on Hastings in Vancouver, the worst street in North America. By 2015, I was a wanted criminal, making the Crime Stopper headlines more than once. After spending three years in jail, I had completely given up. With nowhere to turn and nowhere to go, I finally started to get honest. I took a chance and made some major changes. This is my story. 911, I overdosed over 10 times. I'm one of the lucky ones. And for that, I will always be grateful. This is for all the men and women we've lost. Matthew Wazinski, Mitch Fadden, this one's for you. My name's Brady Lebel, and I've been to hell and back. This is the road to recovery. I'm grateful, oh yeah, I'm able, oh yeah, I'm stable, oh yeah, no label, oh yeah, you know me, I have only What's going on, guys? I'm lonely. Welcome. Hockey to Hell and Back, episode number 58. I'm Brady Liebel coming at you guys live from Muskoka, Ontario. Thank you so, so, so much if you're watching live. If you're listening after the fact, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all those good places. Make sure you rate and review it. Tell your friends about it if you liked it. Can you see my shirt? I got the Bob Probert Memorial Ride shirt on today. This weekend would have been the annual ride. I would have been there uh, supporting the Probert family. Uh, but due to COVID, 
two years in a row, they weren't able to do it. But guess what? Next year, back in full swing, and this year they're still doing a fundraiser. Make sure you guys, if you want, support the Bob Probert Ride. Buy your tickets. I got one already. Compliments of Susan Cook, of course. Got it for Father's Day. Your chance to win a brand new Harley Davidson. And more than anything, a great chance to support the Probert family mission down there in Windsor. Um, of course, this episode is brought to you guys by the incredible people at True Temper Hockey. They've been behind me basically since I announced that I'm rollerblading across Canada and just something that I would have never imagined, having a company like them behind me after all the stuff that I've gone through. But it just goes to show that if you're willing to put in the work and make changes, it's never too late, guys. Um, I'm excited to get in this episode. We're going to do that. We're going to get into it. But as always, there's a couple things I need to cover. And uh, if you're new to the show, if you're watching because you're a, a friend of Justin or somebody that he trains, you can see pictures behind me. So I talk about this every single episode and it's the most important thing. This is what gets me out of bed every single day is all these pictures behind me are people who have had their lives taken to mental illness or addiction-related causes, suicide, overdoses. They live tough lives. They were all hockey players, ranging from NHL players to college players to junior players to, yes, even minor hockey players. Uh, and every single episode, I honor one of those in this picture, uh, and their picture will always be behind me for my podcast. So today is no different. Tonight, we remember Dave Gove. And uh, Dave was an incredible hockey player. I didn't know him personally, but from all accounts, he was an incredible guy. He coached after his career. He even managed to get a Stanley Cup ring with the Carolina Hurricanes back in 2006. And like myself, Dave had a dark secret. Um, there's been a lot of articles about it, about how he was abused uh, while playing hockey. And... Uh, it kind of led him to just a, a really, really rough life uh, after hockey. It's so hard to kind of find our way. And uh, he took that step forward um, and he was going through with the prosecution of somebody who had sexually abused him. And it just became a little bit too much for him. For him. And uh, on April 5th, 2017, two months before he was to testify against his abuser, he was found deceased of an apparent overdose, and there's lots out there about his story, and this is one that rings so close to my heart. We have so many similarities, and I'm just thinking of his, his wife and his, his young son um, and all of his family members tonight. Dave, we're always thinking about you. Uh, you'll never be forgotten here at Puck Support. He was the coach of the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. Um, Sorry, the Wheeling Nailers. He was the captain of the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins in his final year in the American Hockey League. Um, thinking of Dave and the family, you'll never be forgotten here, along with all of those individuals that we've lost. And before I go any further, all of our stuff here at Puck Support has an in-memory. And my hat tonight has Bob Probert in it. Um, this is what gets me out of bed every single morning. There's no reason why I should still be here and... Before we go any further, I got a phone call and I made a, a quick live video about it, but I didn't really tell anybody what, what it was about. Uh, just about half an hour ago, I got off the phone with Michelle Miner, uh, the mother of Daniel Miner, who is right here behind me. And uh, he played for the Barry Colts and I talked about him a lot on this show. And uh, Michelle called me and, and she messages me frequently and, and 
I'm very close with the family now. It's something that is like, it just, it means so much to me. And she called and she asked what I was doing uh, the week of July the 4th. Uh, I'm in Canada. It's not Independence Day here. It's just after Canada Day long weekend. Uh, she told me that her husband, Tom, uh, wants to come up here and meet me and, and spend some time. And um, I'm going to try to hold back tears. I honestly just wanted to fall to the ground. I mean, it's a, it's a huge honor just to have their support. I wish I could do everything in my power to bring their son back and, and all of those that we've lost back. But what we can do is we can all come together and we can talk about these things. We can talk about the hardships of hockey and life and try to make change and just save one life moving forward. So Michelle and Tom, I look forward to seeing you guys uh, Monday, July the 4th. You guys are going to be up here for a couple of days, spending a couple of days in Gravenhurst. And I'm hoping we can get together more than just once. And I just want to say hello to the entire Minor family down there in Dunville, Ontario. Your guys' support has been unwavering and it means so, so much to me. We're going to do one sponsor, guys, and we'll get right into the episode. Hi there, it's Regan Bartell, the play-by-play voice of the Kelowna Rockets, Brady Leopold's biggest fan. Team Issued is connecting all walks of life. Team Issued does this by recreating that special feeling of being a part of something bigger. A community for all striving towards the same goal. Teamissued.ca, promo code TOEDRAG15 for 15% off. Thank you to Regan Bartel, Jesse Paradise, everyone at Team Issued. Uh, shout out to everyone in Kelowna. I actually got a phone call from Bruce Hamilton, President General Manager of the Kelowna Rockets last week, and I haven't been able to touch base with him, uh, but there's a guy that I need to get in touch with, a guy who traded for me from Swift Current and gave me a, a, really a shot in Kelowna, and it really just kind of changed the scope of everything in my life, developed so many new friendships, and once a Kelowna Rocket, always a Kelowna Rocket, and I really want to talk to him about puck support and the rollerblade because Kelowna will definitely be a stop. Anyways, you guys know how this goes. We'll see you in a few minutes. Well, it's good to be back after a week. And as always, I'm really excited to have this guy on. Unfortunately, I had a couple cancellations, so we didn't do an episode last week, and we almost didn't do one tonight. Lucky for me, though, Justin Selman had some time, which I didn't think we were going to be doing it this soon after just meeting him. But I'm a firm believer in everything happens exactly the way it's supposed to. So here we go. I'm going to be honest, I don't know too much about Justin, but I'm going to tell you what I do know. Justin grew up in Upper Saddle River in New Jersey and instantaneously fell in love with hockey, growing up as a huge New Jersey Devils fan. From the time he can remember, he always wanted to be a professional hockey player, and he always had dreams of suiting up for the Wolverines as part of the University of Michigan, one of the most storied hockey NCAA programs there is. Fast forward to 2009, and he was drafted by two different junior leagues, first in the Ontario Hockey League by the Peterborough Peets, and then by the USHL's Des Moines Buccaneers. And like many of us, he was faced with the decision what to do. Do I go major junior or do I follow my dreams of an NCAA scholarship? He would go the route that would lead him to following his dream as a young boy. I did read somewhere that he originally did want to play for the Michigan Wolverines just because their helmets look cool and full disclosure, I was with them. I thought the exact same thing. 
Side note, when I was a young boy, I actually had Mike Legg as one of my personal skills coaches for a short period of time. And Mike Legg is the guy who pulled off the original Michigan lacrosse style goal way back in the 1990s, which you see all the kids doing these days. Justin had a very successful junior career in the USHL, including a stop at the USHL Top Prospects game in 2011-2012. But during his time playing junior, I read also that he had some struggles with billets, with coaches, the typical stuff that not often gets talked about, but you guys know we talk a lot about it right here on Hockey to Hell and Back. During his time in the USHL, Justin Selman actually got invited to fly down to Michigan University where he got to tour the entire campus, the stadiums, and instantly fell in love with Michigan University. I mean, who wouldn't? For him, it was really a no-brainer. He committed to go to Michigan and had his sights on becoming a Michigan Wolverine, step one of his childhood dream. Justin would play four seasons with the Wolverines, and in 2015-2016, as the assistant captain, he helped the team capture the National NCAA Division I Championship. His last two seasons as a junior and senior were by far his best and impressed the NHL scouts. Enter the St. Louis Blues. I'm sure he probably had more than one offer, but he decided to sign with the St. Louis Blues. And at the commencement of his last season of NCAA hockey, Justin Selman suited up in the American Hockey League for the Chicago Wolves. The next season would be a split between the AHL and the East Coast Hockey League. And then the 2017-2018 would be his last season of hockey. And I'm not exactly sure why, but there's so many variables here. And this is really what I hope to talk about today. He was just 25 years old and had to retire from the only thing that he knew. I was 24 when I was forced to retire as well due to my addictions and mental illness. Leaving the game we love is one of the hardest things that I've ever had to deal with. I know Justin's had a little bit of struggle as well, just maybe finding his way, but I believe that's where the NCAA scholarship can come in huge. These days, he is the co-founder of Top Line Hockey, an elite hockey performance and training company, and he's also the co-founder of Likewise Future Wellness, which is very new, but I'm excited to hear about it. All right, well, that's enough from me, so let's do it. Let's bring him in. Originally from Upper Saddle River, New Jersey, my new friend, Justin Selman. What's going on, buddy? What's going on, man? Thanks for having tell me, me. Tell me that's the goal horn. That, it chills every time. That's hilarious. I, I wasn't sure, man, because I never played NCAA, and uh, I found a couple different versions of it, and I was like, oh, I hope that's the one, man, because, uh, you know, I tried to do something like that when I, whenever I bring a guest in. I, I appreciate you doing this, man. No, this is going to be great. I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah, so uh, what's what's been going on with you uh, lately? I mean, we'll get into it, I'm sure, but, you know, it's it's kind of hard when we when we hang the skates up. What, what have you been up to these days? Um, yeah, so it's, it's an exciting time for me out here. We just started our eight week program for top line hockey's camp. So we have about a hundred athletes going through, um, an eight week program on ice, off ice. We have some synthetic ice in the facility as well. We have, you know, guest coaches coming in to do some lectures, nutritionists involved, we have a physical therapist. So it's kind of like an all in one kind of giving these guys a feel of what it would be like to go to a pro training camp or, you know, your first couple of weeks in college where you get your testing, you get your team issued apparel, you know, you kind of get a feel for the staff in an organic setting. Um, and it's been really exciting. You know, we have kids from 10 years old in the camp all the way up to, 
current pros who are going out to France and playing division one and major junior next year. So it's been, you know, the states are high pace at all levels and it's, it's forced me to kind of get back and not get back in shape, but stay in shape with these guys. Cause I'm doing the training right there with them and skating with them. So it's, it's been a really exciting time. No doubt. And, and I think, you know, at least from my experience, I, I left hockey for like a long time. Right. And you can let's be honest. I've had this conversation quite a few times on the show. We can't really recreate what it's like to go out and play um, in front of all the fans and have that adrenaline and all of that stuff. But what we can do is we can still stay connected with the game. And it sounds like you're doing a great job at that. Cause it took me way too long to get back into it. For our, our stories are very similar in that sense. Um, I, I took about two years since my last game and didn't even know where my bag was. I think I sold all my sticks on side swap to be honest. And, I don't know if a lot of people know that or not. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I did that as well. I didn't play, you know, coached and look at anything hockey related and even go to an NHL game for two years just out of resentment and kind of, you know, salty ending to my career. And um, honestly, the butterflies of a big game, I, I think, are doubled running my first practice, like my first skate or coming up with my first ever session. Uh, and then those butterflies go away the same way they would in a game. And it kind of, you know, starts to flow naturally again. Well, I'm I'm glad that you were able to you know pick yourself up and, and get back into hockey because uh, you know from what I've read and and see what you're doing you obviously have a great love and passion for it and it's, it drove you for so long and 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 hopefully it can continue to drive you and I'm not talking about financially or anything I'm talking about like a reason to get up out of bed have a purpose and and it's a hard transition because you're still a young man right like you're still not even 30 years old and. A lot of your friends and stuff are playing. A lot of my friends are still playing, and I'm 33. You know, guys that are even sure. older than me, they're still playing. And like you, like, I didn't watch hockey for, like, almost a decade, man. This playoffs really is, like, the first time in probably close to 10 years that I have actually sat down as a fan and been like, wow, you know. And I see guys I played with, guys I coach, like Matthew Barzell, and I'm like, okay, like, you know what, instead of having that resentment now, I'm like, I'm actually proud of these guys, you know, like they're, they're doing it. And, you know, I was sure, and to proud of yourself, too, for, for, you know, playing with those guys and coaching them up, too. Absolutely. Right. And uh, maybe we'll just take it back for a sec, because I, I'm from Canada and, you know, we kind of have it in our blood here um, for lack of better terms. Uh, we grow up and every kid in Canada is, you know, wants to be a hockey player. It just not, maybe not every kid, but the majority of, and actually I need to say something. We are going to be giving away, um, not that one, this one, because we have a couple different ones, uh, courtesy of green biscuits. So if you're watching and you want to win this green biscuit, stay tuned till the end. Um, when we're done with Justin here, we'll give away this puck. So listen, because I'm going to make up a question on the fly guys, but I want to take it back because you're from New Jersey and don't get me wrong. I know because I'm a hockey player, there's a great hockey culture out there in certain parts and different things, but where did your love for, for hockey really come from? Tell the, tell the people, if you don't mind. So, um, yeah, it's my, my, my father actually, um, and now has a few, but at the time had a car dealership where, um, you know, he would give a few of the Devils players deals during the season. Uh, in exchange, you know, they'd do some promotional events, tickets, and all that stuff. So at a young age, you know, he and I would go to Devils games. We got to know a few of the players really well, Bill Guerin being one of them, who's my younger twin brother's godfather now. And, um, you know, he throws pucks over in warm-ups and really got drawn to the energy and the atmosphere of hockey games at a young age. He had played, like, street hockey and roller hockey growing up, but never anything competitive. Um, and then, you know, 
from that just started skating and you know we would get the advice from these guys on what's worth it and what's not and where to learn to skate and the programs and the clubs and you know it kind of picked up pretty quick and i i think i was just drawn to it and really was only the the, was the only sport i really played besides lacrosse up until sixth or seventh grade and i stopped that so it got serious quick for me out here and i think it has to in jersey just because like you said it's not a hotbed per se or like canada where there's leagues all over the place you kind of have to find your way through that funnel rather quickly to make it out. And, um, you know, I was fortunate enough to have those opportunities. Yeah. And you make a good point. And this is maybe kind of jumping ahead because I want to get back into what you're doing these days, but how much of that are you, you, you know, helping kids now on the other side of it, you know, try to sift through that crap and try to get, you know, direct them and guide them. Is that something that kind of close to your heart now as well? It's, it's some, a conversation I have almost daily now. And, you know, a lot of people are, charging for it or, or, you know, calling themselves advisors or whatnot, but I feel like parents are owed that service just because of the lack of knowledge in the space. And, you know, fortunately we had a lot of hockey moms on my team at a young age who knew the best coaches and knew the route out of New Jersey. But I say it time and time again, like, it's not like football, not like baseball where you are your best player on the high school team and you make it to division one hockey. There's so yeah. many different junior leagues and prep schools and private schools and different routes and club teams that you really could get sucked into just a money grab or something that's just, you know, promoted as one thing and is the other. So we do a lot of that and we kind of try and sift through that noise for the parents and talk to a lot of coaches for our guys. And, you know, my entire staff has played division one and pro. So they've all, and all have done it differently. Whether You know, it's prep school, junior USHL, NHL, so we kind of all have different stories, good and bad, of these different routes. So, you know, we can kind of give real-time advice to these parents who, you know, may have only had a daughter who's done gymnastics and danced her whole life and has no idea what club team their son should be playing for at age 13 and, and what tournaments are really worth it, you know? Yeah, and I, you know, that's something I love what you said there is, you know, it's a service that these parents deserve. And, it, you know, that to me is what hockey really is all about. It, it should be about that. It should be about trying to help. Um, and, you know, I just see so many, so many people out there and I've been away from it for a while, but I can see a kind of a money grab when, when we know a money grab when I see one now, but for somebody that's just learning through that as a parent, and especially as a young player, if you even have as a young guy, I know for me, it was like, if I thought a team was interested in me or a program was interested in me, I was like, okay, let's go. Like, you know, I wouldn't even think about it. I was like, okay, like, you know, it, it must be good. Right. Cause you never want to think the other side of it. So I think it's really yeah. important. When you, uh, you know, you made the decision to, to go NCAA and, you know, this is something I go back and forth with all the time and I still kind of like don't have regret, but I'm always like wondering like, what if I would have went that way? You know, not even because my life would have changed, but just different experiences going, I see these uh, schools and all of that, but how close were you to, uh, to signing with the Peterborough Peets and, and living out your hockey career through the OHL? Um, pretty good. I would say I gave it some real consideration. I know I went out to camp. I had dinner with Matt Pumple at the time. Jeff Tui was the GM. And I remember like it was yesterday, you know, they took us out for dinner. Camp went well. I think I was allowed to stay for whatever it was, 36 hours before the eligibility rules kicked in. And, um, you know, I was playing with Matt for those two, for those two days. We were, you know, I thought we had a great camp. Coaches said they see me fitting right in. Um, and that was a tough decision. I, it wasn't too difficult for me. I always wanted an education to go the education route um, just because of the people that kind of surrounded me in, in hockey in New Jersey had got 
Kyle Palmieri, James Van Riem. Yeah. These were the New Jersey hockey guys I knew that went and played college hockey. Um, but I did give it some serious consideration. And it, like to your point, I think when these teams who you see the uh, alumni who come through them are interested in you, you kind of start to see that dream come to fruition pretty real in real time. So it definitely I gave it some real thought. Yeah. And because at that time you weren't, you know, committed to, to any schools or Michigan or anything, you kind of, it was kind yeah. of almost like a, it wasn't a gamble maybe, but it was a little bit of a gamble. And so you had your sights set on that. And I know um, you ended up getting drafted in the USHO uh, by Des Moines as well. And I read a story somewhere about a couple different things uh, throughout that season, or maybe it was a season after if you want to combine the two, but one being the coach's head games and then the other experience you had with your billets. And if you don't mind sharing, you know, those couple stories because, uh, and, and just what it was like for you because you're six, 17 years old. And, you know, I had, a, and I ask you because I had a lot of time, a lot of trouble being away from home, a lot of trouble with billets and uh, my first billet just kind of fitting in and, and different things. And, um, ended up quitting because of it. So I'm, I'm just curious as to how you, you know, kept going through that. And if you don't mind sharing uh, with the listeners, viewers, a little sure. bit about those stories. Sure. Yeah. It's definitely something crazy leaving home that early. And that's something I always tell these parents who are so eager to get their kids out of the house at 15 and 16 is, is your kid really ready for what's about to come after you drop them off and, you know, their first game is done and the fans leave the rink and now you're 16 maybe 17 and most of the guys on your team are 20, 21 and they're doing their own thing. You have school the next day. Um, and coach doesn't really care necessarily. Some of them, yeah, obviously they do, but the one that I was, you know, dealing with at the time didn't per se care about, you know, what was going on outside the rink. And I think he did a good job of playing a lot of head games with me. And, um, you know, fortunately I was able to overcome a lot of it, but you know, there'd be games you'd score two goals and be a healthy catch the next night just to prove a some point that I still didn't really know, but um, you know, it was, it was a lot for a young kid and you don't really have an outlet to go to and you don't want to be a, a burden on anybody. So you kind of just keep your head down and, and do what you expect is best. But you know, now in the coaching role, I think the worst thing you can do is leave someone in the dark or give somebody confusion on what they need to be doing. Uh, and that puts a lot of guessing into your game. And I think that crept in a little bit where, you know, I was always an offensive player and the guy was just, you know, get it deep, red line, get it deep. Don't try anything. If you try this, you're benched. If you try, you know, so it's like I was playing hockey versus being a puppet. And then it starts to mess with you a little bit for sure. Um, and then the billet thing was more of a funny story, just a cultural, you know, there was a cultural uh, difference there, I guess, religious things. It was just it was funny going from New York. Basically, I live in New York City to you know, uh, South Dakota, moral views, religious views, all very different. Um, they didn't have any children my age and I was just living kind of like Harry Potter in the basement. Um, you know, yeah. meals were ready when they were ready. Come up, it was tinfoil over the meals, go back down watch TV, do what you had to do, curfew and all that stuff. Um, but it's, it's a weird life. It's, it's definitely not as glamorous sometimes as it, it seems to be, but it's, it's something that I'm always grateful for because I think it really shaped the person I am um in the sense that you're exposed to different cultures you're exposed to different ways of being brought up and it, it kind of opens your eyes to the rest of the, the country and the world at some cases that's a great answer that's an absolutely great answer and uh yeah it, it's, it's a great analogy to living like harry potter in the basement and i know exactly what that's like and anybody that's you know been billeted um depending on the circumstances maybe not every time probably can relate with that as well and it is. It's a it's a big decision um, to move away from home uh, at 16, 17 years old and 
Um, some guys uh, do and, and girls um, that move away to prep schools and end up going to school as well at 18 that do better with it than than others. Um, how was your overall experience like with your mental health throughout your junior career? Like, would you say? I think it was the first time I ever became aware of my mental health. Right. Like it's a long season. It's it's it, you know, it's a grind. Those cold months when you're like on the bus calling your family from the middle of nowhere after a game at 11 at night, you know, standing outside the bus in snow. Like, OK, it's game 35, we like seven, you know, 75 game season. And your friends are all going on vacation for Christmas break and you're, you know, on the back of a bus sleeping through Nebraska or something. You start to really get to know yourself, I, you know, a lot of negatives, but a lot of positives, too. I mean, it's a lot of just you time and figuring out things, I guess, a 16, 17, 18 year old doesn't necessarily have the time to think about when he's caught up with, you know, a full course schedule in a normal high school and the different, you know, activities that go on around it when you're not when you have a curfew and you're kind of home alone you don't have family time it's very you against the world mentality um, and I think it makes you tougher but I definitely think it's something that some guys have a, a hard time dealing with and there were times for sure where it's definitely a lonely feeling and you you know really count on your your circle around you your friends on the team or your family at home to build you back up for sure and and did you get to see your family much I mean you were pretty far away from New Jersey. If I know the map at all, it's not that close. Is it? It's not close. Um, we would play in Chicago. My parents would come to that game a lot. Youngstown, Ohio, they would drive out. Michigan and Michigan, they would fly to, I mean, I would say maybe once every two months, my family would fly to a home game if, 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 if they could get out there, but um, definitely not every weekend or anything like that. Yeah. It's uh it's, it's tough, right? And it's a great point, though. It is, it's such a great experience, and I love the fact that you went back to just being grateful for it because it is something that not everyone's going to get to experience. And, um, you know, that's one thing that I wish I would have been able to do is kind of just enjoy it a little bit more and know that I was going to get through it and that the hard times, regardless of what it was, if I was getting benched or if I was having a fight with my girlfriend at the time back home or whatever, that it wasn't that it wasn't the end of the world. And I always tell uh, kids nowadays, I'm like, and and both sexes as well it's like if you have a, a partner a boyfriend a girlfriend just and you want to excel in sports whether it be hockey or something else don't worry they'll be there later in life too because that was a huge distraction for me but i just wish that i would have known that every that i'm gonna get through this and that i 100 percent. you know what i mean because 100 percent. yeah that, that that it's a great point like like you're counting down the day till your last game almost just so that for what you get home and you're doing it right back over again and when it's over it's over and you look back and like man as much as that 16 hour ride sucked, like playing whatever card game you're playing or watching the movie that you guys are all watching, it's a good time. If you look back on it, it's kind of like you're living like a mini rock star traveling around and, you know, hotel to hotel. But yeah, it's it, you, you wish it to be over and then you wish it back once it is. So it's kind of like a, cra a crazy uh anomaly there i guess of course and it goes by so fast tell me a little bit about you know how it came to be you know you get to commit to the school of your dreams in michigan and what that whole experience was like from that from that first moment you maybe got that phone call to the first time you stepped foot on the campus and and realized that hey you know what this all this hard work it's about to it's paying off now yeah i i remember it pretty well we were i was at des moines camp um the last day of camp after the all-star game we were all going out to eat at the mall i think it was an outback to be honest and i was walking from the car and i had gotten a text from my advisor at the time 
Uh, Mel Pearson was at camp. He loved your game. They want you to come out to Michigan to take an official visit. So, you know, I was ecstatic, obviously. You tried to get the next flight out. I remember going to the airport. And our flight was canceled, and I was panicked that they were going to, like, revoke their offer or something. Like, it was going to be gone. Uh, we ended up getting – my dad and I ended up getting out there, and um, – you know, they took us through the football facility first, which is if you you know know anything about Michigan, they're the most storied football teams in college football, and their facilities were incredible. And then they take you through the business school and all through downtown, and finally you end up at the rink in Coach Berenson's office, and kind of sits down eye to eye across his big desk and looks you right in the eyes, like why Michigan? When most of the other schools were, you know, this is why we think you would fit in, or this is where you'll slot first year, and. He's like, why Michigan? You know, like, it, they, why should we, you know, give this opportunity to you? Which I thought was really interesting. And I, I it took me back what I really liked about that visit. And obviously the helmets and that stuff's fun. But, you know, the the academic uh, atmosphere there is something, something special when you step on campus. Just people from all walks of life that are, you know, there for absolutely crazy majors. And they're the smartest people in the world, the most successful people. And you're brushing shoulders just – hockey's getting you through the door and now like what can you make of that opportunity i thought that was that was really cool um you know it was it was was a dream come true obviously and um the second they offered me i kind of pushed everything off the table and accepted it you must have had other schools as well too right like yeah um a lot of east coast schools rpi vermont unh um stuff like that and I think I was supposed to go and do like the Miami, Ohio, Michigan, Tech, all the, the North, you know, Midwest, Northern schools. But this was like, okay, that's what they're saying. All right, done. We're in, you know, <laughs> it's it no. pretty much on the spot. Yeah. No doubt. Did, was there ever a time during your childhood where like you started to visualize yourself where, where you actually started to believe that this could happen or was it just something that you kind of wanted and it came to fruition or did you actually do any sort of visualization? Did you talk about this? Were you open about this? Or was this something that you kind of had this deal in your head? Because I had a lot of these deals in my head, but I know the power of visualization and and putting things out there to the universe now. And I'm just curious as to, you know, how much yeah. thought did you put into this? And then when it all came together, were you like, man, like this is pretty, pretty cool. Man. I remember every season before the year would start, my dad would make me write out the season goals, two-year goals, three-year goals, and then like one just generic, and it would always be college hockey. And then it slowly became play at Michigan, play at Michigan, play at Michigan, until finally that offer came. And I still didn't believe it. Like, I'm a really weird, superstitious guy, like sometimes borderline OCD with things. And, and it would be like, if I don't do this, Michigan is not going to happen. If I, this, ha- you know, it was like, until I played that first game, like everything, it was still not real, didn't feel real. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, when it came to fruition, it was a pretty wild experience. And then it kind of starts back over. Like, I'm going to play on the first line here. I'm going to try and get on the power play. I'm going to, you know, it, it's always something what's next for me. So that was kind of, you didn't have much time to bask in it. But yeah, it definitely, it was, it was a dream come true. How I, I'm curious because I've never seen in person. I've never seen a USHL game. I've never seen an NCAA game in oh, wow. person. I've watched. Yeah, I know, right? I've watched a lot of uh, NCAA games on on TV. I've had a lot of friends from BC and stuff that went to different schools. Um, how much better was the was the NCAA? Like, what was the jump from the USHL to the NCAA? Because I believe the NCAA is like like ridiculously good when i watch it it is like okay like this is it's it's just um you know the strength and the speed is obviously a given but 
because everybody in college, and I don't know if it's good or bad, is wearing a cage. It is like reckless abandonment all over the ice. Guys are flying, blocking every shot possible. It doesn't matter if it's head first. Everybody's finishing their check. There's only two games a week, and it's against the same team. So games are physical, and there's always a rivalry. And the fans, very rarely is it not sold out, especially at Michigan. So it's always a big show. It's always loud, and the pace is nuts. Guys are huge. You know, you have 23, four-year-old seniors on some teams hang cleaning 405 like big dudes and uh you know you you play against some guys like that in the ushl but it's not strength and conditioning focused like it is in college where you're getting three good lifts in a week and you know well fed i guess these guys you're playing against men in college and it's fast and physical yeah did you uh was it uh, a big jump for you like i know you you put up great numbers there and you finished super strong but what was that first year like um playing in michigan was it was it hard to get through and, and what was the school load like and trying to figure out hockey and all of that um, it, was it tough for you it was it was definitely an adjustment um the biggest adjustment for me i think at michigan was comparing myself to the the draft picks that come in with the incoming class like my you know J jacob trubo was in my incoming class andrew cop Nieves. Um, so you start looking at that chart, trying to figure out where you're going to slot in before you even step on the ice, knowing, you know, that the first and second rounders obviously are going to get a good shot at it. Um, so that that was a big jump for me. And then yeah, the academics, Michigan did a great job of giving us resources. We had, um, you know, like a, a team type of tutor that would help us with anything we really needed. And we had a great facility across the it was like the Stephen Ross Academic Center with tutors and uh, all kinds of computers and different resources. So we were required as freshmen to go there for X amount of hours a week, which, you know, gave us the discipline to get the workload done and traveling a lot. You have time to, to study if, you, if, if it's important to you. And Coach Berenson always preach academics and actually holds your class ring. If you, gra if you don't graduate, he'll hold your ring. Even if you sign early to go to the NHL, he won't give it to you until you, you know, officially graduate <laughs> Michigan. You don't get your hockey ring. So it, I mean, it makes you balance the coursework. Wow, that's uh, that's pretty cool, right? And it's important, though, that I think that they do that, that they, you know, push the school. And obviously, I think there's rules in that on the eligibility side. But for most guys, um, you know, we're not going to be able, whether it's, you know, NCAA or, or using, you know, going the major junior route. Like, eventually, we're not going to be able to rely on just hockey anymore is to pay the bills and to support us in different things so uh, what did you major in while you were there and um, how much are you using that now or is that something that you're going to look to use in the future i majored in i was in the school of kinesiology i majored in movement oh. science entrepreneurship okay. so pretty much using everything go. i learned right now um luckily um, you know, I, I, a lot of business classes, but a lot of human body classes, science, nutrition stuff. So it was kind of spot on for what I'm doing now, luckily. Um, and yeah, I, I use it every day. Wow. That's, uh, I, I wasn't sure what you uh, majored in, but I was like, okay, well, you just, uh, you told me there because everything you're doing now, and we're going to get to that on the second half of, uh, of this, because I just feel like, I, I don't know enough about this other program or this other wellness um, program or company that you're starting. I'm very, I'm very interested in that kind of stuff. I believe there's so much more to that and so beneficial. So I'm interested in to hearing more about that, but, um, tell us a little bit about, you know, winning the championship and then signing with St. Louis and, and, and taking off into pro hockey. 
the Big Ten was the first year of the Big Ten conference formed, so that was that was cool to win that um, with the guys that we did. That was a sack team, you know, JT Comfer, Mod, all those guys. Um, you know, obviously having great pro careers now, like you touched on before, and um, the season progressed pretty quick. Unfortunately, we lost to North Dakota, who you know ended up winning it, but. That the tournament, the tournament run was a blast, and then before that even had a chance to sink in, uh, St. Louis had made an offer to have me come out to Chicago and finish up their last eight games with them. Um, so I left my senior year of college, kind of missed the last like you know bender week or month, whatever that is when season ends and there's no hockey, it's just party time. I had about a week of that, and then right to Chicago. And played the last seven games with them to just get a feel for pro hockey and that life. And then went home and trained and went to St. Louis camp. Well, and Chicago, there's no better place to play in the American League than Chicago, let's be honest. Um, yeah, it's yeah. a pretty great organization from what I've heard. Um, so I made a mistake in the beginning then. It's not the national championship you guys won. What, what was it that you guys won? So we had won the Big Ten championship. So it was our, our conference championship, and we made it oh, to the uh, eight of the, of the national championship and lost to North Dakota, who had gone on okay. to win it. But, uh, yeah, that was, that was for the Big Ten championship. Okay. All right. My mistake, this is how little I know about college hockey and because I just didn't <laughs> need to learn to freshen up. But I want to go back to this picture because that's you on the net, right? Yep. Did you do that every game or is that something? Every game, yeah. That, that was one of my million superstitions, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I saw that picture. I was like, why? I'm like, where is he on that? I'm like, oh, wait, that's him on top of the net. I got to bring that up. That's awesome. So, yeah, my apologies on that. But nonetheless, you guys still won a championship, and that's pretty awesome. Um, going back to what you said, though, you kind of missed out on your, your last, you know, bender weekend or whatever team parties and stuff um that kind of happened to me when i when i graduated at the whl because i went and played to the east coast league i was supposed to go to norfolk in the american league but couldn't get a visa they didn't make playoffs yada 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 I went to victoria and i kind of missed the last you know saying goodbye to my my teammates and, and all that stuff and you know by the time i went back to get my stuff from the billets everyone was gone it was like a month later so obviously i didn't get to see them um but yeah, I mean, it, uh, either way, it was uh, a great experience, and I'm sure it was for you. I mean, get any chance you get to go move to play pro hockey, you're not going to say no, right? Like, Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> you never know when you'll get it again, right? So you knew that, you know, you signed with St. Louis, um, and then, you know, your contract didn't kick in until the next year, but you still were kind of, you know, were you, you were, I guess you were on a PTO going to Chicago, knowing that you're going to sign with St. Louis, or had you already signed with St. Louis, and it's not going to kick in until the following season? Yeah, uh, so I signed the deal with St. Louis, and it was like a two-year deal, and that was technically a PTO, but the deal had been signed for the next two. Okay, all right. All right, so yeah, what about the jump from NCAA to the American League? How can you compare the two? Um, different jump. It was like the game had, in a weird way, slowed down from college. More possession-based, um, a lot more thematic and thought out than college, which is a lot of run and gun, a lot of you know dump and bang. Uh, you know, getting the American League guys had the puck on their stick a lot more, but time and space was still taken away quickly because guys were just positionally very sound. Um, and, you know, the dynamic was definitely much different. You know, guys are now this is their job. They're not, you know, so concerned with what you do last night. Where were you for class? It's, you know, some guys don't even speak English. So it's just go in, do your job, go home. Some guys have a wife and kids. Some guys are going to have lunch together. It was a much different social dynamic for sure for sure than college. Yeah, it's a great point. I mean, that's 
pretty much the same thing coming out of out of junior to pro. I remember being in American League. I felt really out of place, man. When I when I first went into an American League dressing room, I felt like okay, well, like I I just felt like I didn't belong in there, and I I just couldn't. I don't know what it was, man. I was so intimidated, and I'll tell you, like even in practice, man, I was scared to take passes because I was like, I don't want to screw this up, you know. It was like yeah, it's funny, uh, yeah, I hundred percent have, and I I wish that more people would admit that feeling and then somehow address it because it's you know now I work with guys and I'm like, look, I'm gonna pass passes on your back and so hard that you can go into any tryout or practice and close your eyes with one hand and catch them because I know, mm-hmm. look, at the highest level. If I'm going across the blue line and Tarasenko's making a pass in training camp, I am shitting my pants that he's going to blow it. That's going to blow up on my back where that should be something you're mastering in Bantam. And you are, it's, you know, you do it without thinking in pickup in shinny in practice in morning skate, but then something happens and you just, you know, your brain glitches and that, and, and that's it. Um, a hundred percent had that feeling. And I think, people all over pro hockey have that feeling because there's never a core group or there is a small core group, but it's always people in and out and you don't want to be too loud in the room. You don't want to be too shy in the room. You don't want to be the guy who's drawing attention, but you don't want to be the, the square. And there's all these intricacies and weird dynamics that go on behind the scenes that affect your play ultimately, but shouldn't. Um, and I think that's a big part of, of uh, mastering being a pro. I think that is a skill in itself. Yeah, 100%. I mean, that's the thing, right? It's like when you take guys, uh, I see guys, I mean, you talk, you know, your top six forwards or even top three forwards on an NHL team, okay? We know who they all are on different teams, McDavid's, Ovechkin's, Crosby, all those guys, right? They're phenomenal players. But any of the bottom six forwards, we're forwards, so we'll talk forwards, you can basically slot them out at any time and take anybody from the American League and and put them in there and they'll fit right in um, on a skill level basis. I mean, the skill is is right there, but it's how they conduct themselves on a pro that goes off on the ice, off the ice, how they are in practice, how hard are they working? What are they like with the guys? Like there's so much more than that goes into being a hockey player than just actually having a skill set. Like people don't talk about how much it takes to really be a pro mentally, physically off the ice, like all of it that comes with it. I had no idea what it entailed. I had nobody really show me the way, um, to be honest with you. I'm not blaming other people, but I was like, I wasn't ready for pro hockey, not one bit. And when I got there, I was like, wow, I'm in way over my head. And it was just, yeah, it just, it, it's made me honestly like not even want to play hockey anymore because I just didn't like the way it was making me feel. So I was like, oh, I'm not going to fight through this. I'll just go, right? Like eventually I kind of got over it, but it's a it's a tough way to to make a living, man, and and it's such a cutthroat world. Um, especially you know you get down to the East Coast League and you see guys getting released and different things. It's uh, it's an absolute nightmare. So you played two years of professional hockey, um, and what was the ultimate deciding factor to say, hey, I'm not going to play anymore? Like, was there injuries? What was it that that came to make make you make that decision? Yeah, it was injuries and a mix of mental things. I mean. I had a, a – so in Chicago, my rookie season in Chicago, uh, I mean, it, it was pretty much exactly how it went down. I got hit in the head, uh, last shift of a game, headache, bad headache. I think it was rookie party that night. Um, so, obviously, I'm not, not going out. You have to go out. The team makes you go out. 
end up getting pretty drunk and, uh, you know, wake up the next day. Obviously, I have a headache. I'm like, all right, no practice anyway that day. Next day, still have a headache. I'm like, that's weird. Next day, headache. Next day, headache. I'm like, oh, shit, maybe I have a concussion, but I'm a kid. I don't really want to say anything. Yeah. Okay, so comes to game time or playing in Milwaukee. Like, I, I remember having a brutal headache before the game. Lights were bothering me, just weird. First shift, like, second shift of the game, like, I was breakaway. Puck was in my feet. I stepped on the puck, slid probably from the goal line pretty fast right into the boards, tore my labrum in my shoulder. And, you know, like, do I step on a puck because I'm a little out of it? Is it because of chance? Who knows? Tear my labrum out for 12 weeks. So I'm like, okay, at least I don't have to say anything about my head, let my shoulder heal. I'm up with the AHL team. I'm, I'm okay. I have a deal. You know, I'll, I'll keep skating, you know, do this, do that. Nobody needs to know about the concussion, but that's what it was. And I had a shoulder issue. So what, shoulder comes back, played a few games. They sent me to the coast to get some games, get a concussion in the coast. So now that they think, they think that's my first concussion, but now I'm like, shit, that's our pro. I've had, you know, a few in college and whatnot, but that was, you know, serious concussion out for a month, no lights, the whole deal. Um, that led me right into summer. So I'm like, okay, great. Summer's here, clean slate, get my shoulder healthy, get my neck and head healthy, doing all the right things, eating all the right things, supplementation, going to St. Louis camp, feeling like a rock star. Um, they had a new AHL affiliate. We were you know, with, with the San Antonio, uh, San Antonio team now. So new coaching staff, everything was different. Great. Um, get sent down to the East Coast League. And another concussion right at the start of the season. That was bad, like six months really, where I was just couldn't feel myself, depressed, dark room, the whole nine yards. Ended up going home for a month while the team was on road. And that's when I first really thought about, like, is this worth it anymore for me? That thought was the first time it crossed my head, my mind. And then came back, put, put together a few good games at the end of my, my last year playing. And my last game pro um we were playing and i remember talking to eddie olchek from he was playing for penn state when i was at michigan we're talking there's a fight going on he's on the other team but we're just kind of tied up talking to him had nothing to do with the play you know like honestly i think it was just like what are you, you guys staying the night tonight are you going back kind of conversation guy on my team was fighting another guy and the guy that he was fighting thought i was the one who initiated something i'm totally caught off guard sucker punches me in the back of the head my helmet comes off head hits the ice done out cold um you know concussed obviously and then that led me to the end of the year where i felt that same kind of shit for three four months depressed all that that comes with it and uh, i was like yeah i think that's it for me and kind of just st louis didn't qualify me so i was like okay that's it and i was gonna do europe and, and see what that like explore those options and I was just like, I never want to feel like that again. And I'm lucky that I can still kind of share together my my thoughts and feel the way I do. So let's leave it on a good note and just kind of, you know, turn the page. But that's where the resentment came because I knew I was still good enough to be playing. And I knew the guys that I had played with are now, you know, winning a Stanley Cup or you know, playing NHL games. So that's a, that's a tough pill to swallow for sure. Um, so that's why I had that resentment because I felt like the game kind of screwed me over or if, if I had more of a voice at the time or whatever, that you know, you can go back on it. But to your point with the mental health stuff, there's a lot of that that goes on and guys just don't know who to go to or what to say. And I think the last four or five years, it's gotten really good with people opening up and voicing what's going on behind the scenes because 
I know I didn't have it as worse as, you know, a lot of guys where there, you know, there's, there's pills involved and there's other things and it, it gets to be a really dark place with fighting and, um, you know, all that stuff. Look, I wasn't a fighter and I, I didn't really get into that stuff too much, but you know, that, that, that's a slippery slope for sure. Well, thank you for sharing that first off. And I think, you know, if there's anybody watching or listening, whether it's parents or, or players, um, I know there's some young, young Instagram hockey kids watching. I'm sure there's one or two anyways. Um, the important thing that I heard there is, you know, you know, not saying, you know, that first concussion, right. And, and just not saying anything and then stepping on the puck and we can, we can debate back and forth whether the reason was that or not, but let's be honest when you're playing not well with, especially with a head injury like that, different things happen that, you know, you're just not yourself, right. You're not as sharp. You're not as, you're just not quite as crisp, you know, like it, yeah. I know that feeling myself and I know that feeling of being like, Hey, I can't say this right now. Cause I'm trying to fight for a spot in this lineup and I need to do this and I can't show weakness and we they can't see concussions. Maybe they won't believe me that I have a concussion. Like all yeah. of these things go into play. Right. And I just think it's so important for parents. And this starts right at minor hockey. Like if you think your kid um, has a head injury um, or if you're a player that has them, say something, take care of yourself. Do like you remember like Sidney Crosby, look at how much time he took. I had to take off for that one concussion or those two, I guess. But look how quickly he got that second one because he didn't do right. Yeah, he came back too quick and then exactly. he's Sidney Crosby. So he's got 20 different doctors and people monitoring him 24 hours a day and whatever he says is blessed. But, you know, there's guys like me and you and millions yeah. of others who they miss that game. They, you know, someone gets called up from college, someone signs from college, someone signs from the coast, someone's brought down from the NHL, whatever it is. And you just miss that opportunity where, Hey, maybe I'll play tonight. We're off the next three days. I get a tapping goal. I'm on the sheet, blah, blah, blah. Next thing you know, yeah. you're called up. You don't know. You don't know. It's just a lot of, you don't know. And it's easy to say shoulda, coulda, woulda, but you yeah. didn't. And that that's kind of it. How are you? Like, I know we talked about this and like, you know, I was, I couldn't watch, I said, I couldn't watch hockey for the longest time. And I'm finally at a place where I can accept it. But are you like, do you ever have thoughts? Like maybe I will go back and play or are you at 100% peace with, with where you're at today? I don't hundred percent peace with where I'm at with the game. I think, I get more enjoyment out of seeing someone else succeed now. And, and the, nice. the the work that I'm putting into programming and coming up with drills and coming up with workouts and then seeing these guys make the national team or get a college scholarship makes me feel the same way I felt when I committed to a school. And honestly, without the getting the shit kicked out of me to do so. But um, I think, I'm at peace with my decision to not play. And I, I'm now at peace with the idea that I'm going to impact so many more hockey players with my experiences that I was able to acquire over the years by playing. So at first it was a negative and kind of turned into a positive for me is like, I can teach a lot of people things that I wish I had known and, you know, they can grow and hopefully make it further than I have through, through our top line program. And, and that's something that I can, you know, wake up every day and be as excited about as I did when I was playing. And and where are you guys based? You're in New Jersey. Top Line's in New Jersey, right? Like you're still living there. Yep, I'm living where uh, I live, just outside of New York City. Um, our facility is about ten minutes, fifteen minutes from the city. Um, so we get guys from like Westchester, New York, Connecticut, Long Island, Manhattan, and a lot of New Jersey hockey players. Mo most of the guys 
are from the club team that I grew up playing for, the Avalanche, or a top five team in the nation at most age groups. And then we have tons of, you know, younger kids, college kids. We have a lot of girls who train with us, and it's just really getting started in the last, you know, 12, 15 months. So it's been a, an awesome year, and we're, we're trying to expand and grow. And one thing that I, I really like about Top Line is the opportunity for us to give guys – like you and I and, and all my coaching staff opportunities to stay in hockey. Like you said, it's all we know. So to that point, like why not optimize that and, and use that? Like, you know, one of my employees is now a partner of mine. Like he, he was working a corporate job. He, he really, he was go making good money, but wasn't happy. And now he's like, look, I get to be in hockey. I stay in shape. I help kids. I help, I help families do what I got a chance to do. And it gives you that routine and like sense of self back with, with a lot of these guys who come and start working for top line. They feel like they're still training for a pro season. Yeah. No. Oh, and that's another thing, right? It's not just about the kids. Now you're probably helping like all your staff, like the coaches, like you mentioned, um, you know, they're probably finding that same love and passion that you are. And uh, I, I really believe that the more guys like yourself um, that, you know, have the experience and are willing to share their own experience openly and, and try to guide the next generation. That's what's going to make not just great hockey players, but great people, right? Like setting them up, not just for hockey, but for life, whatever, whatever comes at them in life, whether it be a situation while they're away at school or junior hockey or whatever, like having somebody like you or your staff members, they're outside of their family. It's another person to lean on and another resource and just a person to have care about them. And I think there's something to be said about that. Yeah, a hundred percent. It's, it's, it's a whole nother animal when you've been through it and you can kind of give real time advice that's unbiased, but just, Hey, look, it, you're not the only one who's, who's been scratched. You're not the, you're not, you're not the first, you're not the last, you're not the first one who's billet dad, you know, whatever, or billet mom, or there's a million stories, but you're not the first, but sometimes you don't know anyone else. So it's good to yeah. have these guys around. Absolutely. We got a couple of uh, comments coming in from my friend, Stuart Smith, uh, firefighter out in Abbotsford says, Justin, thank you for being so open and honest about the concussions and hand injuries. Your story and your current work will make things better for the next generation of young players. Um, Brody Kerbison down there in Barrie, Ontario also says, I second that. Thank you, Justin, for being an open book. Words like that are so helpful for the future of communication in the sports world in the sports world or in the sport of hockey. I'm sure it was what he meant. Um, I was skating around for gym class today. I tried to avoid a big guy who can skate. I ran into him and was knocked out cold on the ice. It was a horrible feeling for the rest of the day in class. That's my buddy, David Grass. David, uh, ho hopefully you're feeling better. Um, there's a couple more we can get to later, but um, tell me a little bit about um, what else you have uh, going on um, with this wellness uh, company that's coming soon. That's the only information I could find on it. Coming soon is, yeah, that's pretty, it's, um, it's I don't know if you're familiar with adaptogens at all. It's, it's gonna be the first product we're launching uh, Labor Day weekend. It's gonna be an adaptogenic bone broth. So we're using uh, medicinal mushrooms. The, you okay, know, now you're speaking, now you're speaking my language, buddy. All right, I'm you, listening. I thought you might like that. Um, I'm listening. Know, we're using all, obviously, the uh, non-psychedelic, non-psilocybin yep. uh, properties of the mushroom. We're using lion's mane, chaga, ashwagandha, 
Um, and we're, you know, elevating what would be just a regular bone broth to, you know, a new level with the highest collagen content of any bone broth supplement really on the market. It's powder versus buying it like a kettle and fire where you're pouring it into, uh, you know, if you're familiar with bone broth. Yeah. Um, and there's places in New York City where you can get a bone broth when you're not feeling well. It's $13, $14. You know, our, our unit cost is going to be $3 a unit and we're going to have subscription model hopefully make this a daily, a daily uh, ritual or daily routine for a lot of people. There's, you know, countless health benefits. You can't really find anything negative about a bone broth. And then adding in these adaptogens just from a mental health standpoint, I mean, we, I would love to get you some. I think you'll feel clarity. I think it'll really reduce stress levels for a lot of people. Um, and it, it's filling, it's natural, it's healthy. It's, it's really a good, great product, grass-fed bone broth, grass-fed um, you know, obviously elevating everything we can in the product. And that's step one. And I'm making this, this company I launched with my goalie from Michigan at the time, Steve Racine. Um, and then step two and three, we're going to have like an adaptogenic hot, hot chocolate, hot cacao, um, a pre and post workout, all influenced by the power of medicinal mushrooms um, and adaptogens. I absolutely love it. I was not expecting that answer when I asked and it was like, okay, now you're, now you're talking and um, you know, people on here know we've, We've talked quite a bit about, um, we've had, a, I've had a lot of hockey players come on and just share their experience and through with medicinal, with medicinal mushrooms, whether it be on the hallucinogenic side or on the, you know, um, on the non-hallucinogenic side as well. But, um, like so many guys, like I'm telling you, it's, oh yeah, don't, no, don't get me wrong. There's, there's great properties about this, uh, the psychedelic side and the medicinal use for that as well. And depression, treating depression and you know, we're, we're working with the research team to put a pipeline of products in place for the time when that does come on the legal side and yep. the medical side and through studies and, and, you know, clinical dosing. I think there's a ton that can be done with mushrooms the same way, you know, CBD and marijuana have great properties for treating anxiety and insomnia and, you know, all these other ailments that come with head injuries that come with, you know, mental health issues. So I think it's, something that should be talked about and not, you know, steered away from, but leaned into more so, hey, you're concussed, take an Ambien, hey, you're concussed, take a Xanax, because that's, uh, that's the slippery slope. That's an easy script to write and it's familiar, but, you know, I think the same way a trainer or a doctor is going to tell you, hey, you know, let's try Zoloft for a couple of months after coming off your concussion. Let's, let's try microdosing. I mean, like, Let's try it under a, a, a practice doctor and have him watch what goes on. And I guarantee you, you'll see better, if not the same results without the negative, you know, addiction side effects and the implications that come with taking pills every day. That's what I think of that, man. Uh, <laughs> you said it, you said it absolutely 100% the exact way that I feel. And uh, a couple of people watching, um, saying let's go um, about all of that because we talk about it a lot. Dean Dean Smeal out there in Alberta. What's up, Dino? Um, Brody would like to know, is that a power you add, powder that you would add to water, like a shake that you're talking about? Yes. So it's going to become in, uh, a stick pack. So if you've ever seen like vital yeah. proteins or something, you rip the top, pour it, um, and it'll come. You just add hot water. When you when you subscribe with us, you'll receive a, a branded thermos mug that will have a fill line. Uh, the branding is very well done. We're using an agency out in California to do it. It's gonna be really, really cool what it's gonna come like, you know, welcome packet, very futuristic, clean, minimal feel. And, um, you know, you'll keep the cup and you'll get refill packs uh, month over month. So you'll subscribe and you'll get a pack wow. a day and then two extra packs a month to share with a friend. So, you know, kind of growing the community that way. 
Wow, that's awesome. How far away are we from that launch, do you figure? We, you know, we're family and friends have tasted samples. The feedback's been great. We're looking at probably like a Labor Day launch. Um, hopefully, like yeah. a small little activation. We are incorporating like a yoga mindfulness uh, aspect to something out, out by the beach and then kind of give that out family and friends and then do a f official launch Labor Day. Awesome. Well, keep me in the loop because, um, yeah, I would, uh, I'd love to spread the message and I I'm a firm believer in natural remedies over prescriptions. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying, to, listen, I, I need to be careful. I'm not, cause I don't want to direct people that maybe 100%, have a hundred percent. And I, I have to just cause it's my show, even though technically I, I, don't really want to say this. I'm honest. I can't lie. My listeners know they're, they're loyal. They know, but so many people that I know and hockey players that I know and myself have been misguided by doctors and said, here, take this, you know, and it's a, it's a pharmaceutical it, and it, it destroys, it destroyed my life. And we also saw, um, you probably didn't see it because it was up here in Canada. It was on TSN uh, or one of our major sports networks, but there was a, uh, I'll send you the link after. It was a problem. It was it's called the problem with pain, and it was done by Rick Westhead, um, and it was like Ryan Kessler, Kyle Quincy, who's a friend of mine, uh, who's been on the show, um, Zena Kanopka, who was my captain in Norfolk. There's a bunch of other guys, and they were con continually given injection injections of Toradol while they were yeah. playing. Yeah. Right? Here, take this. Play through this. Take that. Take that. And now they're having like, or some of them are having early onset Crohn's disease, and you know all these problems after they're done playing and they you know they didn't really do their due diligence and because it's like these are the dogs yeah. like they're, the, they're the ones you're supposed to have the most yeah. trust in yeah and i mean even even if it's not to the extreme of toradol there's doctors who are like are, you know the trainers or painkillers and you know yeah. even if they're telling it advil every single day you'll be fine take ibuprofen ibuprofen it's like at what point can your you know, your liver can withstand that? It's like all these things are just get you to the next game, get you to the next skate, get you out of here. When's the last time you heard from your trainer from your last team? You know, they, they don't care. It's a, it's yeah. unfortunately that's sometimes how it goes. So like you said, and the more people who can speak out on it and look, nobody's saying go and trip mushrooms. Nobody's saying go smoke weed. It's more if you have these ailments, there's other remedies before you go from dark to you know like all the way from yeah. left to right and, yeah. and that's really it and and the whole thing there justin is like that it's funny because when you say that it's like some, we're not saying go trip mushrooms go smoke weed because to people some people like that's extreme and then going to the doctor and taking you know uh, painkillers opiate painkillers whatever that's totally that's fine okay. because it's <laughs> written by the doctor sure right. like right. It, it doesn't make sense to me. And I'm like, and don't get me wrong. There's a time and a place for the painkillers. I got my wisdom teeth out a month ago. I took a painkiller after the surgery and the next day and that's it. But when you're taking it in order to perform and then in order to sleep and then in order to get back up and then it's, it's a lot, it becomes a lot. Yeah. And, uh, we've had this, we've had this conversation on this show so many times and, uh, listen, man, I, I know you're probably busy and I'll be honest. I kind of, um, watched a part of a podcast you were on. I, I got, I'm actually going to watch the rest of it cause I'm interested to watch the rest of it, but uh, I think it was, uh, pucks in deep you were on. Uh, and I was wondering when we signed in here, if you were actually going to be, um, at your facility, um, with, you know, kids in the background because you, you at that time you were, and I thought it was kind of cool. So I know, I, unfortunately, I'm not. But I'll give you guys a good little view of uh, New York City and some pride, some pride on the skyline here. 
sitting outside if you can see empire state building lit up with the rainbow flag and uh okay so hey stick it stick around for two seconds we'll say bye we're gonna go to one sponsor on that note pride in the sky pocket of hell and back is brought to you by pride tape pride tape is a badge of support from teammates coaches parents and pros to young lgbtq players it shows every player that they belong playing the sport they love and that we're all on the same team Show your support for teammates, coaches, and fans in the LGBTQ community by wrapping your stick with Pride Tape. Every roll of tape will make an impact in sports and beyond. Inclusion starts with leadership. Check out some of the ideas of how you can get involved at youcanplayproject.org. Check out Pride Tape at pridetape.com. For more information, you can send an email to aubrey at pridetape.com. That's A-U-B-R-E-E, Aubrey, at PrideTape.com. You can find PrideTape on Facebook.com slash PrideTape, on Twitter at PrideTape, and at PrideTape on Instagram. PrideTape thanks all of you for being champions for change. Thank you to my friends over there at PrideTape. We got some uh, we got some big news coming down the pipe um, surrounding PrideTape. They actually, you probably didn't even know, they sponsor my show. Um, we're going to give away a roll of pride tape with one of these green biscuits after I let you go. But I wanted to say, uh, man, I'm proud of you where you're at today. And uh, it could have, you know, you could have went down a, a lot darker road and, and you decided to pick yourself up. And now you're giving back to the hockey community. And, and, and it goes so much further than that, because not everybody is always going to be in that community, regardless of the kids. Like we all have aspirations of going on and play junior or college or or pro, um, and I hope that all your students get there. But at the end of the day, you're impacting these kids' lives on a whole nother level outside of hockey, even though they probably don't realize it right now. To have a guy like you and your staff around, it's amazing, and they're really lucky to have you, man. I'm super proud of you. Um, and keep me in the loop with with things coming down the pipe because uh, you definitely have piqued my interest with all of that. I appreciate it, man. Thank you again for having me. When we, when we hang up, send me uh, send me your address. I'll send you samples of Likewise, and we'll get you some top-line merch just to hang up in the office there. I love it, and I'll do the same. I'm going to get you some puck support stuff as well. And, uh, yeah, man, let's let's stay in touch, and uh, I'll make sure that anybody watching, I know there's a couple people that are down there in New York. Um, I'll have all the links for all of your stuff in the description, whether you're watching on YouTube or Facebook or listening on audio if you want to get to any of Justin's uh, pages on Instagram or websites. I will have them all linked below. Justin, thank you so much, man, and uh, look forward to talking soon, man. Thank you, man. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, guys. You too. Thanks for your time, man. Awesome. That's Justin Selman. Thank you, Justin. What a great guy. Uh, I really had not talked to him before tonight. It's kind of fun when, you know, I love – I love having my friends on here. I love having return guests on here, but I love firing up a conversation and you never know where it's going to go. I had no idea we were going to go there on the wellness side. I love it. Uh, And it just goes to prove to everybody out there that hockey players are seeking alternative medicines because for a lot of us, it just hasn't worked. The, The routine... Here's a prescription for this. Take that. Get out of my office. Take that. It's it's not it's not doing it. It wasn't doing it for me. It wasn't doing it for Riley Cote, Josh Gratton, Mike Brodeur, Ryan Vandenbush. I mean, the list goes on. I'm I'm probably forgetting about Ryan Phillips. I know um, so many guys. So many guys. I can't say so many women or girls because I 
I don't know how many out there are using it, but I do have um, some women coming on the show very soon. We're gonna get we're gonna get to uh, we're gonna get to a giveaway for all you guys that actually stuck around and, and want to win a green biscuit puck and a roll of pride tape. Uh, we're gonna get. To... Oops, uh, we're gonna get to that, uh, but. Yeah, um, just want to say I got a couple big guests coming down the pipe. Um, Kendra Fisher is going to come on. We're going to talk mental health. A uh, woman hockey player, now firefighter, played for Team Canada. Um, she's actually hopefully going to come up and do a sit-down podcast, and she does a lot of work in the mental health field. Check her out, Kendra Fisher, on Instagram. I uh, can't wait to chat with her. Also have Harlan King Fisher from Smudge the Blades. Coming on Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern. Don't miss that. My good buddy Harlan doing so much in the Indigenous community, in the hockey community. He's got a story to tell, not only with Smudge the Blades. Make sure you check them out on Instagram. Indigenous Hockey Apparel Company. Um, But just an incredible dude. He's also working with Pride Tape. They just launched their Every Child Matters tape, their orange tape. Check that out. Also... I talked to Scott Oak the other day on the phone. I haven't told anybody this, except for maybe Susan upstairs. Talked to Scott Oak on the phone the other day for half an hour. And Scott Oak is a world-class broadcaster on CBC. He does the Olympics. You guys all know who Scott Oak is. If you've been watching the playoffs up here in Canada, you've seen that he's launched the Bruce Oak Recovery Center. He has ambitions to open more than one. He's going to be joining the show in a couple of weeks when he's a little less busy. But we chatted and we talked recovery. And uh, tragically, he lost his son, Bruce, uh, to an overdose. And, you know, him and his wife and family are doing all that they can to make change. And they've got a new state-of-the-art recovery center. And um, I'm going to actually be speaking um, with the executive director, hopefully this week, which is really exciting. But I can't wait to have Scott Oak on. What an honor. Also have Brenly Shapiro, the sports psychologist from the Arizona Coyotes coming on. Also have Tim McAuliffe from Tim and Friends, formerly Tim and Sid, which was my favorite show. Still is like my favorite sports show, to be honest. One of them anyways. Rod Peterson, Real Kipper, Tim and Friends. Those are, those are my three go-tos. But when I was incarcerated in Vancouver, um, that was what... We had TVs in our cells there, and that was the only, that was what got that's what I looked forward to. When it was a weekend and it wasn't on, I was pissed. I was like, "What am I going to do?" That's what I look forward to every single day at two p.m. Eastern, sometimes three, because we were three hours behind, and it starts at either five or six, depending on the day, out here in Ontario. And so, to to get an email from Tim the other day um, was incredible because that was something that I really um, just. I can't wait to chat with him. He and Sid Sixero were really the inspiration kind of to, to maybe one day I can have, you know, my own show and my own podcast. I have no aspirations of being, you know, Tim and friends. Um, We can't compete with them. We don't want to compete with them, but they certainly inspired me to start, you know, talking, talking sports, talking, whatever. And, and my two things that I know are hockey, mental illness, addiction. And I was like, why can't we bring all these things? things together and talk about it with former players, coaches, parents, whoever wants to share their story. They're always welcome on Hockey Down Back. So I can't wait to have Tim on. And of course, you guys are probably waiting for a guy by the name of Ryan Johansson 
from the Nashville Predators to come on. We're probably going to give away, I don't know, a couple true hockey sticks, at least one anyways. You guys probably don't care about that signed Ryan Johansson hockey stick, um, but he's going to be joining the show as well. I was totally downplaying that if you can't sense my sarcasm. So I'm super pumped. He's another true guy. And uh, compliments of True Hockey and Ryan Johansson. We're going to give away at least one signed stick, maybe a couple other things. Who knows? I don't know yet. All I know is that it's going to be a stick or a couple sticks. Um, we're waiting for them to get to Ryan. He's going to sign them. We're going to give them away and, and get them out to you guys. So stay tuned for that. I am going to go to my last sponsor. And then we're going to come back and give away the Green Biscuit. Thanks for sticking with me, guys. Hockey to Hell and Back is brought to you by Performance Wellness. The collaboration between First Star Therapy and MindFrame brings a flexible, holistic program to athletes. The goal is to empower and enhance every athlete's well-being on and off the field of play through focus on intentful movement and mindful practices. You can contact them at consult at firststartherapy.com and team at mindframe.info. Plus, you can check them out on the web at firststartherapy.com and follow First Star on Instagram at firststar.therapy and at MindFrame on Twitter plus MindFrameFit on Instagram. Thank you to my friends at First Star Therapy. That was a little premature on the phone number there. Uh, James Gardner and Matthew Arnone friends of mine former guests of the show they're actually coming up to muskoka we're going to do a we're going to film a video we're going to do some mindful uh, movement meditation um and we're going to get a group together and film that um not only for first star but for puck support as well so um thank you to them check them out guys they have incredible programs if you're an aspiring athlete or just looking to get a little more fit and a little bit more mindful um, throughout your movements and stuff, check them out at First Star Therapy, firststartherapy.com, at MindFrameFit. So here's the question, guys. What? Hmm, let's make this a little more difficult. Nah, we'll make it easy. What NHL team did Justin Selman sign with? Call this number right now. Sorry if I reject your phone calls because I can only take one phone call at a time. You're going to win Pride Tape and this black green biscuit. Hopefully someone calls. You guys probably, some of you guys probably have my number program. Give me a call and oh, we got guess who? It's got my number on speed dial. I swear to God, Will McIntyre. Hold on. Will, you there? Good day, good day, good day. Man, you uh, you must have my number on speed dial. I'm rejecting a no, call. Right now. Um, I so, okay, what team? What team did he play old, for? Good old St. Louis. The Blues. Will, you are the winner. Congratulations. I have to uh, decline. A, I've declined a couple of phone calls. I apologize to whoever else was calling in. But, Will, you are the winner. You called first. You must have the fastest internet. Thank you for all your support, man. And while we're on the phone, uh, congratulations uh, to Hardy, who graduated uh, school this weekend. Yeah, I was going to say, I got some of her grad stuff. I'll send you a couple of pictures. Yeah, do so that. She's, and, she's pretty pumped. Yeah, I sent, yeah that's pretty, uh, pretty awesome. And, 
um, you know, just let her know I said hi. I sent her a video. Did she get the video that I sent the other day? She did. She did. She, you know, she's going to go through it this weekend. She let me know. Awesome, man. So. Well, listen, thank you so much for your support, as always. And uh, we'll get this off to you tomorrow. You're like only the second person. I haven't even used one of these yet, to be honest, because I feel like they're too nice to use. But I hope that you get some use out of them anyways. Okay, I'll probably give it to Hardy as a drag gift. There you go. To be Hopefully she's so. not watching. <laughs> oh, no, she's doing a grad thing right now. She's oh, that's tired down with some friends, so it works out good. Awesome. Okay, well, well, thanks, man. I appreciate your friendship, and uh, hopefully we'll get together soon when I'm up near that area visiting my friends at B-Sharp, Ottawa. Sounds good, fella. Okay, thanks, buddy. Later. Bye. Will the man. He always wins. I love it. I love the support. I knew he was going to call. I apologize. I had three other people that I didn't have their number in my phone, so I don't even know who that who it is. Uh, but we'll probably give away another one on Wednesday night, so stay tuned for that. Uh, congratulations to Will McIntyre. Make sure you guys check out the Bob Probert Ride on Instagram, at Probert Ride. Go out and buy yourself a ticket, $25. Your chance to win a brand new Harley Davidson and more than anything, you're supporting one of the causes that I love. Look at me, I'm sweating like crazy. Full disclosure, I had to take my sweatpants off. I'm sitting in my boxers. I can't lie to you guys. It, it's so hot here. I'm sweating like a madman. Probably didn't want to know that, but you guys know me. I can't lie. That's how we do it on Hockey to Hell and Back. They're more like shorts anyways. Tristan or Triton, sorry, Tristan. I was looking, I was looking down. I was like, oh, that's Triton. Triton, I didn't realize that. I was like, Tristan, Tri I'm like, oh, that's Triton Halstead. Triton was spamming the number. Triton, one of our puck support warriors. Sorry, buddy. I didn't know that was you. Shoot me a message tomorrow, buddy. Shoot me a message on Instagram. I was actually possibly thinking about sending you a hat. You've been working hard here and you are one of our first puck support warriors. Keep up the good work, Triton. We chatted the other day. You're working hard. Nah, it's all good, he says. Um, I was going to say one more thing, and I'm, I'm totally forgetting, as I always do. Anyways, I'm going to wrap it up. Thank you so much for watching or listening. Make sure you share it with your friends. If you're listening to the audio, whether it be the day after this or whenever it is, please take the time to rate and review it. Give me a one star or a zero or the lowest if that's what you want to do, or give me a four or a five. Leave a comment. Let me know what you think I can do better. I'm great with constructive criticism. Trust me, I can take it. I've been called worse. Believe me. Believe me. I've been called worse. Always looking for ways to improve this. Also, shout out to... Uh, Kaya Smeal out there in Alberta graduated this weekend as well. Um, amazing. I saw pictures of the Dean and the girls. Dean, I'm super proud of you and, and your friendship means so much to me. Um, I love you, man. You're top bunk. You know what I'm talking about. Coming in from Michelle Miner. Michelle, I'm not sure if you saw the beginning of the show, but I shared with our, our viewers and our listeners that you and Tom are going to be coming to Gravenhurst uh, to spend a couple days. And um, it almost brought me to tears. And uh, 
I can't wait to give you guys both a big hug. I love you guys, and your support means so much to me. Have a great week, everybody. As Triton Halstead says, subscribe. Press, Smash that like button on YouTube if you're watching on YouTube. Press that subscribe button. We don't have many subscribers. Most people watch on Facebook. I'm really wanting to just get it on YouTube. But I don't know how to full... I can't lie. I don't know how to grow a YouTube channel. I don't have time. I just post it and that's it. I don't really leave tags or long descriptions or clip small videos or send messages to people saying, hey, watch this. It's not what I, I don't do that anymore. I just let it happen naturally. I would love for this to grow, not because I care for myself, but I believe there's important stories on here that people need to hear. Stories like Justin's, stories like all of those that we've lost behind me. We're remembering them every single episode. And for people out there struggling, do not give up on yourself. Keep your head up. Keep fighting. The best way out is always through. Quote that from Robert Frost. Have a great week, guys. We're going to see you Wednesday night with Harlan King Fisher from Smudge the Blades. Cannot wait to see him here on Hockey to Hell and Back and to hear his story through junior hockey and some struggles and what he's doing now. It's going to be a great episode. I'm so proud of this guy. Honored to call him a friend. We'll see you guys Wednesday night. Same bat time. Same bat channel. Remember, you guys know it's my favorite show. 1960s Batman. Adam West. Burt Ward. Flip up the head. Press the button. Go down the pole. Let's go. I'm out of here. Be kind. Stay grateful. And remember... Have a great day, if you so choose. I want the real stuff, everybody listen up Cause I'll only say it once, I'm gonna show you all the path If you want it bad, I'm gonna show you every side Yeah, how you can get it back, yeah, cause I ain't never done I'll be number one, working hella hard until I get just what I want Yeah, rises like the sun, yeah, fatal like a gun Shooter's gonna shoot and I'm gonna shoot until I fall I'm always do it alone, so I gotta get through it And the only thing I know is to love what I'm doing Never give up, never slow till I finally prove it Never listen to the no's, I just wanna keep moving Yeah, I put out all this art, it's my only medicine Yeah, everything I do, I'm just being genuine Yeah, I'm sick of being screwed, feel my own adrenaline Yeah, I do just what I do, and I hope you let me in, let me in, yeah <laughs> Oh yeah, I'm stable. Oh yeah, no label. Oh yeah, you know.